The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, we're moving from Christ and the creation and look today at Christ and the condescension. First, a word of prayer, and then we'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Father, we come now, Lord, in Jesus' name, and I pray you would bless this text of Scripture, open it up before us, and bless our time in the Word together. Thank you for those who listen faithfully week by week. Bless them and use them for your glory. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And so we continue looking at the unsearchable riches of Christ. We consider the condescension of our Lord. To condescend is to come down voluntarily to the level of inferiors with whom one is dealing. We spoke much about the incarnation in our last two sermons. The Creator God, even Jesus our Lord, stepped into His creation and He became flesh. Such an act was both amazing and gracious, and it is a supreme act of condescension that Jesus Christ would tabernacle among men for 33-plus years. We went all the way back to creation, 
We step forward now to consider the condescension. Christ came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. And we are now enlarging upon his ministry, or his servanthood, to sinful mankind. The reference is Mark 10, 45. With his condescension, he brought us the blessing and the hope of salvation. And the context of this text, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, is that of grace giving. When and where a believer gives of his earthly possessions to help the ministry of the gospel spread throughout the world, and even to send relief to those who are in greater need than ourselves. Paul points the saints in the city of Corinth and in the church of God there to the supreme example of Jesus Christ for both the foundation and the motivation for their Christian giving. No greater example could be cited to motivate the saints to give. Later on in this passage, over in chapter 9, verse 15, Paul would exclaim with an outburst of praise and thanksgiving, and he would say or write, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And I want to look at this verse and give you an exposition of the verse and see the gift of God's Son as an act of God's grace and as the measure of God's generosity. God the Father held nothing back when He gave His only begotten Son. Think of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then think with me to Romans 8, verse 32. Speaking, let's back up to verse 31. Speaking of God, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I believe in the great and gracious generosity of God. Our God is wonderful. And then Jesus Christ himself held nothing back when he came and when he condescended. I believe you should consider Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. There's condescension. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus our Lord. So first of all, His condescension was an act of grace. Our text begins, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe grace is best defined according to Ephesians 2 and verse 7 in terms of riches and kindness, that God in ages to come will show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward man through Christ Jesus. God owed man absolutely nothing, yet He pledged and covenanted among the Trinity among and by himself, to give everything, to redeem man's soul back unto himself. Genesis 1.26, 1 Peter 1.18-21, 1 
Revelation 13, 8, Ephesians 1, 11, Truly grace then is God's riches at Christ's expense. For Christ to come and give his life in order to cancel our sin debt is something we do not deserve, yet he came. Hallelujah and bless his name. So many still scorn the offer of pardon and peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, men continue to scoff at God, who has given all that they might go free. Yes, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were scoffing sinners, God displayed his love at Calvary's hill, where he smote Jesus Christ, and he was put to death. What a love is this! that a man should lay down his life for his enemies. His condescension was an act of grace, but then it was an act of God. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about an ordinary man. We're not talking about someone who could just make good on his promise and come through on his pledge. No, this is God himself, as we've already dealt with, who condescended, who is now incarnated in flesh. This is God acting in grace to save and redeem the race of men. The second person of the Godhead, who is eternally God, and now visibly God in the flesh, and historically Jesus Christ, and personally the Lord and Savior of all who will believe. He is the one acting in grace on our behalf. In this condescension. But then it's also an act of goodness. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. To say that it is an act of goodness is to point to the character and nature of God in sending his Son, and then Christ's reflection and revelation of God's nature. God is just and holy. God is good and kind. His benevolence and compassion towards sinful humanity just cannot fully be described nor fully explained. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, Romans 2 and verse 4, and three little thoughts emerge here concerning the goodness of God. We see His plenty, though He was rich. He's the proprietor. He is that person who has the legal right and the exclusive title to all things. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. It all belongs to him. He'll have the final say. Look it up. Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12. Psalm 24, 1. Haggai 2, verse 8. Ephesians 1, verse 10. To see how rich he was before he condescended. You need to go back before the foundation of the world. Think of the glory Jesus Christ had with the Father before the world ever began. John 17, verse 5. You can consider the choir of the angels and the voices raised in the harmony and melody of praise for their king. Psalm 148, verses 1 and 2. Look a little lower, see the sun, moon, and stars as they issue their song of praise for the Lord. Psalm 148, verses 3 through 6. Come on down to earth itself, drop below the level of the sea, hear the depths of the ocean in their majestic song, giving glory to God. Psalm 148, verse 7. Rise back up to the surface, come back now and behold the weather patterns and in their symphony they sing according to God, who leads their music and has his way in the whirlwind. Psalm 148, verse 8, Come now through the storm, enter into the calm, and see the terrain of both the mountain and the hill. See the trees dotted here and there. Hear the joyful sound of praise for the Creator. Psalm 148, verse 9, Then among those trees see the animals in those who run, 
in those who graze, in those who crawl, and in those who fly, and they all act out in a glorious display of God's creative power and glory. Psalm 148, verse 10, and finally, verses 11 through 14, look at yourself and say this, am I bringing pleasure to my Creator? Does He have the submission of my will, the love of my heart, the strength of my life, the loyalty of my steps, the pursuit of my desires? In the praise of my lips, yes, all men everywhere should give praise unto him who's rich, yet became poor. Not only his plenty, but his purpose, yet for your sakes. Why did Jesus come? Why did he do what he did? He did it for you, and he did it for me. I'm running out of time. I need to finish this point, but oh, there's so many passages that we could mention here. Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 3, 18, the just for the unjust. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Hebrews seven twenty six through twenty seven, John three seventeen through nineteen. He came to save us, his plenty, his purpose, his poverty. He became poor. Christ Jesus chose the poverty of a despised and rejected man for our sakes. He emptied himself of those riches, laid aside the robe of infinite glory, vested himself in a finite glory, assumed that robe of flesh in his incarnation. And his life was one of less than ordinary means and resources. He borrowed everything until it came to you and me. And then and there, he bought us on Calvary's tree. Thank God, Jesus came. And out of his poverty, we can be made rich. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.